Our reading for today comes from the third letter of John. Listen now to the word of the Lord. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church by Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. The word of the Lord. Good morning. The Lord be with you. For those of you who are new to our service, I want you to know that I am now finishing up a series of sermons on the three letters of John. Uh, Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for our time together once again. And we pray now in the hearing of your word, you would speak to us. And in hearing, help us to obey. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The letter of 3 John is the shortest book in the New Testament. It's so short, it's more like a postcard than a letter. And as Miss Akemi explained, like 2 John, it's written by someone who says he is the elder who's been traditionally identified as the Apostle John, one of Jesus's 12 disciples. And the letter is written to a man named Gaius, whom the elder loves and whose church the elder hopes to visit very soon. Gaius was a source of joy for the elder because he's been walking in the truth, that is the truth of Jesus Christ. And he has been exemplary in supporting fellow Christians and loving the church. Ms. Akemi just gave a great message highlighting the differences between doing good and evil. And so I want to just continue on that theme this morning and focus on the man the elder points out as an example of what not to do 
or as the elder writes, do not imitate evil. First, verse 9 says, Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Last Sunday, you may remember Pastor Dohi reminded us that the theme verse for all of our children this year is from Romans 12. Love one another deeply. Honor others more than yourselves. Stay excited about your faith as you serve the Lord. Honor others more than yourselves. This is putting others first. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in Philippians chapter 2. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul is reiterating what Jesus had said and did. For example, in Mark 10, Jesus said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be with you. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus not only gave these words to us, but he lived them by giving his life for us. Diotrephes did not. He wanted to be first. He is egocentric and unwilling to submit himself to others, even to someone who is acknowledged as the authority, as the elder. He exhibits the attitude of a toddler more than the attitude of a mature Christian leader. I know that one of the first things that kids learn to say is me first, me first. I remember when our kids were little, uh, we had a family routine where I would read to them every night before going to bed. And so after they had brushed their teeth and got into their pajamas, I would say, okay, let's read a book. And the three kids would literally run to grab their book from the bookshelves and would fight to get to be the first to have their book read. They would be shouting to me, me first, me first, me first. I could not convince them that it was okay to go second or to go third. It's not like I wasn't going to read the second book or the third book, but they wanted to go first. They had to be first. Maybe you've seen this floating around the internet years ago. It's called the 10 property laws of a toddler. One, if I like it, it's mine. Two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Six, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Seven, if it looks just like mine, it's mine. Eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. Nine, if you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And 10, if it's broken, it's yours. Me first. And I know it's not just toddlers. It's an attitude that thinks of self before anyone or anything else. Diotrephes had to be first. 
He wanted the limelight for himself. He wanted to receive the credit alone. He wanted to be first. That was his life's motto, me first. But not us, not us. We wanna be a church that thinks of others first, that honors others first, that puts others ahead in line first. People want to be first and first in line for a variety of reasons. And one of them is because of the anxiety caused by this wrong idea that the world has limited supplies. It's an understandable fear, especially during this time. But such an attitude shows a lack of trust and understanding that God will provide and who God is. God is incredibly wealthy, and incredibly generous. And so as the people of faith, we ought to trust God to be able to provide and to be generous. And driven by our knowledge of God, we also then ought to be a people who have joy and generosity and not living in fear of scarcity. Even during this season of self-quarantine and pandemic, we want to think of others first. Last week, I mentioned that some of our members uh, are sewing uh, face masks to donate to a local hospital. That's thinking of others first. We also announced last week that we want to spend some of the funds we had designated for our summer mission trips to help others instead, as it's very likely that those trips will be canceled. I know that many of you wanted to help. I know that you've seen long lines in food pantries on the news, and you wonder what you might be able to do. And so as you heard last week, we are committing as a church up to $7,500 in matching funds to three local organizations involved in food security. Elijah's Promise in New Brunswick, Osnaman Family Shelter in Edison, and Arm in Arm in Trenton. I know that many of you have worked with these organizations over the years, and you know how good their work is. And during this season, because it's difficult for us to take canned goods or to volunteer at their site, we want to still be able to support them. And so we want to give some uh, financial aid if we can. And if you're able, uh, I hope you'll consider contributing to this so that we can uh, write a check for that entire sum of $7,500 in matching aid. This week, I also want to let you know that the session approved the mission committee recommendation to commit $6,000 to purchase PPEs to donate to St. Peter's Hospital in New Brunswick. It's kind of shameful that our hospitals do not have the protective equipment that they need to do their work, but I'm thankful that we can make at least this small contribution to their work. Food and PPEs are urgent needs, and so we want to respond quickly and accordingly to put others first. But we also know that this pandemic is not going away anytime soon. And so we'll prayerfully continue to monitor the situation and to reevaluate re uh, periodically this uh, ever-evolving situation. And I'm certain we'll have further opportunities to participate and to contribute later this year if you are not able to do so at this time. And in fact, if you have some other suggestions of how we might put others first, uh, I wanna ask you to contact our mission committee and share your thoughts. I know that we could all just sit and wait and do nothing to hoard our resources and fear about the future, 
but we're not going to do that. We want to think of others first. We want to trust the God who provides and who is generous. And so I want to thank you in advance for the generosity that I know you will display and for thinking of others first. So first, Diotrephes likes to put himself first, and we don't want to do that. We want to put others first. Second, we read in verse 10, the elder writes, if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. Diotrephes is talking nonsense, spreading malicious rumors, false charges, gossiping. You've probably heard or have told your kids at some point that if they can't say anything nice, then they shouldn't say anything at all. That's not bad advice. Even if the elder and Diotrephes had legitimate theological differences or personal differences, they could have and should have discussed it fairly and in love, to speak the truth in love. But Diotrephes resorted to wicked nonsense instead. My wife says that when people are outside walking and they are approaching each other, the smaller group of people should move out of the way for the larger group of people. I'm not sure if that's a commonly accepted protocol, but the basic courtesy nowadays when you're walking outside is to move away from others as they approach you because of social distancing. Some people don't do that. And I know that when I'm outside walking or jogging, I find myself getting more easily and quickly angered by people who don't make the slightest effort to move aside. It's like we're playing a game of chicken to see who's gonna move first. And I'm tempted to think evil thoughts of them to speak wicked nonsense in my heart. I know it's very tempting in stressful situations like this to speak evil, to speak wicked nonsense of others. It's easy to speak wickedly about our political leaders, especially when they speak nonsense. It's easy to judge others during this time because people are responding to the crisis in different ways. One person may make fun of someone as ridiculous because they want to wipe down everything. I mean everything. While that same person will disparage someone else as being dangerous because they refuse to wipe down anything. Depending on your level of comfort, you will judge a person who goes to the grocery store on a regular basis as being careless or the one who hasn't been out of the house for weeks as being paranoid. But rather than maligning others, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. We ought to speak words that build up that bring grace to those who hear and to put away all wicked nonsense. I know that people in general are tempted by gossip, by such words, scandalous words, unproven news. Proverbs 18.8 reminds us that the words of a whisper, that is a, of a gossip, are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. I know that most people like these kinds of rumors but if you've been the victim 
of gossip or wicked nonsense. You know how painful it can be. As Christians, we're supposed to love one another. Talking negatively about friends or even strangers does not demonstrate love. And so instead of participating in wicked nonsense, we need to speak the truth in love or turn the conversation around by saying something positive or at the very least, don't participate. Let's think and speak kindly of one another. So first, don't put yourself first, put others ahead of you. Second, don't speak nonsense, rather speak words that build, build up. And third, the elder writes, and not content with that, Diotrephes refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to put them out, that is throw them out of the church. Unlike Gaius who welcomed and was commended for taking care of traveling missionaries, Diotrephes is inhospitable. He even throws out members of the church who want to extend hospitality. He's actively hindering and threatening those who want to welcome others. Last week, I mentioned the importance of extending hospitality, how it made possible the work of evangelists, and how it was a fundamental cultural norm. In Luke 7, for example, when Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee named Simon, Jesus rebuked him, not because of his bad theology, but for his lack of basic hospitality, his lack of basic civility. Repeatedly in the scriptures, we are called to extend hospitality to one another. The apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The apostle Paul says in Romans 12, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And Paul wrote again in 1 Timothy 3, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Hospitality is supposed to be a quality of a leader in the church. Diotrephes is supposed to be a leader in the church. The practice of hospitality is not merely a cultural expectation. It's a central command. It's a central way of life. For the people of God. Diotrephes, however, has deliberately defied the elder and even basic cultural courtesy by turning others away from the church. Refusing to show hospitality to strangers might be somewhat excusable under certain circumstances, but to refuse the brethren, fellow Christians, traveling prophets, missionaries, and itinerant preachers is simply unthinkable. And in doing that, one thing that he will never experience is what the writer of Hebrews 13 commands and says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So I want to encourage us to show hospitality, to welcome others, and possibly entertain angels. Right now, of course, we cannot open our homes to one another, but you can still visit those who live near you. In fact, I want to urge you to go and visit one another. Go to their houses and look at some live faces 
from six feet away. Just, just go. You don't need an invitation. You don't even need to give them a heads up. They're going to be home. They might be in their pajamas. They might not look great, but they're going to be there. And I want to urge you to go and say hello. I know that I've been really blessed during this time because of the many ways so many of you have extended hospitality to one another and especially to me and my family. The children of one family sent me a lovely handwritten card this week with hand-drawn pictures in it, made my day. Others of you have stopped by with incredibly delicious food or just to say hello. And still others of you have been sharing your life with me through Zoom meetings, texts, and emails. And I want to further encourage those of you who are part of a small group, part of one of our FGs, to please consider inviting others to your FGs, to, to, to your meetings. We're no longer limited by geography. You don't have to just invite the people who live near you. You can invite everyone, no matter where they live. Anyone and everyone can be invited to join your group. Did you notice that the elder closes the letter with the words, greet the friends, each by name? Please reach out to others. Welcome them personally, by name, to join you. Extend hospitality and entertain angels. If you are not part of an FG and want to join one, and you are not getting an invitation, uh, I want to ask you to reach out to Chan, our elder Chan, and he can work with you to see if we can get you connected. And let me remind you also that every Wednesday night at nine o'clock, I host a Zoom meeting for a time of just, just catching up. It's a very uh, informal, low-key uh, meeting just to catch up and to uh, pray for one another. So if you don't have an FG that you're a part of or if you've got nothing else going on at Wednesday, 9 o'clock, I know I don't, um, please join me and just let's catch up and get to know uh, some of the brothers and sisters uh, that you may not uh, know very well. So in summary, the elder writes, Beloved, do not imitate evil but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. And whoever does evil has not seen God. In other words, don't imitate Diotrephes. He's an example of, of what not to do. Instead, we ought to imitate just the opposite, to do good, to think of others first, to speak good words, and to extend hospitality. Let me close with this. After giving us this example of diatrophies as an example of what not to do, the elder mentions another man named Demetrius. Demetrius may be the one who's bringing this letter to Gaius. And so it may be that he's not well known to Gaius and to his faith community, but he is a fellow brother whom the elder now calls to receive with hospitality. And Demetrius brings with him a triple testimony Everyone says, this is a good dude. The truth itself bear, wit, bears witness of him, and the elder and his community also testify. He is worthy of receiving their welcome. Now, unfortunately, like Diotrephes, we don't know very much about him other than this reputation. But I want to make for you a suggestion. In Acts 19, there is another man with the same name, a silversmith named Demetrius, who was upset 
at seeing his business ruined by Christian missionaries, and he rallied fellow Ephesian artisans against this economic threat posed by Paul and his friends. And he gave this rousing speech against them. He said, men, you know that from this business, we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. He was threatened that his business would go out of business because of this new God that Paul was introducing. And this speech gathered his fellow artisans and turned a crowd against Paul. And basically they ran Paul out of town. Demetrius was an influential anti-Christian leader in the city of Ephesus. Now what's interesting about this story is that in this story, there is also the mention of a man named Gaius, a co-worker of Paul. So we have these two names, Demetrius and Gaius, connected in Ephesus. We also know that the elder is someone who has been traditionally identified as the bishop of Ephesus. And so could it be that all three men knew each other? Is the elder giving Gaius a triple recommendation because previously Gaius had only known Demetrius as the one who had rallied the craftsmen against the Christians. Now, again, I want to be very clear that this is just speculation because both Gaius and Demetrius are very common names and most scholars think that these are just different people. So it's only a remote possibility, but I want to believe that this is the same Demetrius. It's at least possible. If so, think about what this means. Demetrius was a man of power, a man who thought of himself and his business first. He had a me first attitude. He was a man who did not accept Paul's authority. He used words maliciously to get rid of Paul. He was a man who turned away Christians from his town, kicking them out, definitely not exercising hospitality. And not only that, but he encouraged others to do the same. Earlier in his life, he had the very same spirit as Diotrephes. But now, by the grace of God, he has been transformed and is commended for his new life by everyone. That's his testimony. And that's the testimony of others. This is possible. This story is possible because the gospel has the power to transform us. It has the power to transform lives. I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in the lives of many of you. We can turn from selfishness, from speaking wicked nonsense and inhospitality. We need not imitate evil. Instead, we can walk in the truth. We can think of others first. We can speak words that build up. We can welcome one another by name. We can imitate good.
Please pray with me. Lord, today we uh, would ask for your spirit to help us to examine ourselves. Do I have a me first attitude or am I trying to honor others first? Do I speak wicked nonsense and gossip and unfairly judge others or am I bearing good testimony? Am I exercising hospitality and extending welcome or am I somehow hindering it? Lord, we want to have a spirit of selflessness and others first mentality. We want to submit to one another in love. We want to use words that edify and build community. We want to encourage others to do the same. We want to enlarge our circle of friendships and extend welcome to those who are alone and isolated. Help us to imitate good. Help us to imitate Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. We'll now have a time of offering, and just as a reminder,